you all this morning. Good morning, church family. I'll be opening it up to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 31. As you're turning there, I just want to echo Chris, what Chris said earlier. We're so thankful to you who have served our country. As somebody who didn't have that privilege or that honor, I can't imagine the, the, the sacrifice you've made on our behalf. And so I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the privilege that we have this morning together to worship and praise the Lord. Uh, thank you for what you've done for us. Uh, we can never repay the debt that we owe you. And so thank you. But we'll be in, in John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 31 uh, through 47 this morning, beginning in verse 31. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There's another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness of the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may, uh, so that you may be saved. Verse 35 says, He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that this morning we do get together and, and serve you and worship you. God, we pray that you protect those men and women who are serving our country now that are in harm's way, Lord, that you would keep them safe. Lord, I pray for those who have served. Lord, I pray that you would help them and heal them as they come home. Lord, that we as a nation would honor them and treat them with the respect they deserve. And God, I pray that as we gather in this place this morning that we would treat you and honor you with the respect that you deserve, God that we would open up our hearts to hear from you, God, that we'd open up our ears to listen to you, and that you would give us what we need to serve you, Lord. Help me to preach. Help me to preach in such a way, God, that pleases you and honors you, that gets to the truth of your word, that gets truth to the message that you want to share. And God, help us as a church family to obey you, to do what you've called us to. God, we need you. God, I need you. We all need you in this place this morning. We need you to speak into our lives. We need you to help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to talk about the search for eternal life. We're going to talk about the, the search for eternal life that ends in Jesus. How many of y'all have ever lost anything? How many of you have lost anything this morning? I have. I couldn't find my mic. Like I, seriously, I was walking around like, where is my mic at? Where's my head my headset at. I, I mean, I, I didn't do this on purpose just for a sermon illustration. Like, I really couldn't find my mic. I looked everywhere. I walked in here and I looked. I walked out there and looked. I walked uh, back in my office and I looked like probably 20 times. You know how you keep looking? Have y'all ever looked in the same spot 20 times hoping that it would just magically appear? Like, I walk back in and I look at my desk and I'm like, I know it should be here. And it's not. I walked back out. I remembered I'd laid it in, on the Bible out here in the four years. Like, that's where it's going to be. I know it is. And I looked. I Like, I'm flipping through the pages. The pages are together. There's no way my mic is there, but I'm still looking, right? And finally I found it. Somebody had hid it from me is my, my theory, not the fact that I laid it down somewhere and forgot where I laid it, right? That's totally not what happened. But anyway, I mean, we do. When we lose things, we search for them. We look for them. We look for them. Uh, Miss Teresa and Miss Christy were helping me try to find my microphone. Where is your microphone? Where did you put it? Chris, where did you, where's my mic? Man, maybe you got it. You know, that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm looking everywhere for it. I'm looking for help to find it because I can't find it anywhere. And I, as I was preparing this message, I thought about Crystal has a, a necklace, and on her necklace she has like a couple of little... Uh, I guess they're little symbols, aren't they, baby? They're like one's for Josiah and one's for Zoe uh, on this little necklace that she has, and it's like one of her most prized possessions. 
It's something that her mom got her when Josiah was born, and, and you can add little charms to it to talk about, you know, how many kids you have. Well, Zoe, when she was about two, uh, I guess I won't use the word stole. She borrowed Crystal's necklace, and so uh, by borrow, I mean she took it, and we couldn't find it. Um, for about six months, maybe a year, I don't know, it was gone. We looked everywhere. We turned the house upside down. And then one day, uh, lo and behold, I forgot what happened, but we uh, had to get in Zoe's car. She had this little car that she pushed around with her feet. Little two-year-old Zoe, cute as a button, cute as could be, is a little klepto. Like, she's stealing everything and storing it. There's this little seat on her car that you lift up, and there's this little compartment underneath it. And sure enough, there was Crystal's necklace. There was somebody's car keys. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I mean, there was her necklace. Like, we'd been looking for it for months, and there it was. The whole time, it was just inches away. Like, how many times would we look in her room, and we were looking right at the necklace and didn't know it? Guys, when it comes to finding its satisfaction, when it comes to finding real life and real hope, when we look at Jesus, we find real satisfaction and real hope. The only problem is that sometimes we look right at Him and we don't see it. Sometimes we look right at Him and we miss it. And that's what we're going to see this morning. We're going to see first three guides that lead us to Christ, and then we're going to see two reasons we stay lost or two reasons we don't come to Jesus. And so the search for eternal life, the place of eternal life, is in Jesus. And so first we see the witness of His people. The first guide to Christ, the first uh, way that we come to know Christ is through the witness of His people. We see this in verse 35 where Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. He tells, he tells the Pharisees who don't believe that he's actually God that he says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. And what he means here is, according to their law, unless you, you couldn't basically bear witness about yourself. You couldn't tell other people who you were. Like, unless you actually had proof and you had somebody to back up what you were saying, it didn't matter. And so you could be like, dude, I, I, made, a, I, made, a three, I made a shot from the baseline of the other side of the court. Like, if nobody was there to see it, it doesn't count. You can tell everybody all day long you made a hole-in-one on that golf course, but if nobody sees it, it doesn't count. I mean, why are all the hunters carrying around pictures of the deer that they killed? Because if you, don't, if you can't see it, it doesn't count. Right? I mean, we want to prove. That's why we mount the deer after we, we kill it. We want to, prove, want to prove what we have done. We want to prove our accomplishments and show other people. And so Jesus is playing by their rules, and he's saying, listen, I don't need to be told who I am. But for your sake, I'll give you some witnesses. I'll give you some guides, some, some uh, waypoints, if you will, some landmarks that will show you who I am. And so this first landmark, this first guide is his people. Uh, and he talks about John the Baptist. He says that he's a burning and shining lamp. He is someone who guides or directs people to Jesus. We've been talking about John the Baptist since we started John's Gospel. John, the writer of John's gospel, gets a little confusing, talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a man who came and preached about Jesus. He's a cousin of Jesus. He's not Jesus. He's a cousin of the Messiah. He's not the Messiah. And so everywhere he goes, he's telling them about this one who's coming after him that existed before him. Everywhere he goes, he talks about this one whose uh, shoes he's not even worthy to untie. And so John the Baptist walks around and he says, Listen, there's coming someone who is the Christ, who is the Savior, who is the Messiah. And then one day when John sees Jesus walking towards him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here comes the Savior, guys. Here is the one who existed before me. Here's the one who was born after me but existed before me. He's the eternal one. 
Later on, we didn't cover this, but later on in John chapter 3, his disciples, John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples get confused. They're worried because Jesus uh, is actually, actually has more disciples than John does. And so they're like, hey, what's up with this? I mean, why is he becoming more popular than we are? And John the Baptist says, no, you guys don't understand. I must decrease, but he must increase. You see, John understood his role. His role was to point people to Jesus. He was a lamp. He was a witness. He was a guide to guide people to Christ, to guide people to the Messiah. And that's what he did. That's what he spent his life doing, was guiding people to Jesus. That was his goal. He was a burning lamp. And so Jesus says, y'all tolerated him for a while. In fact, you rejoiced in him. In fact, you were happy to listen to what he had to say. And, and so, well, that was until J John began to say that Jesus is the Messiah. That was until John began to say, hey, if you want real life, if you want real repentance, then you will trust on Christ. Then all of a sudden, Jesus, or John's gospel, or John's teaching isn't good enough for the people. And so they begin to re reject John the Baptist as well because they don't like what he has to say anymore. But John actually does share the, the gospel. He actually does share who Christ is. He actually does point people to Jesus. And so the first guide this morning is that the people of God, the word of God's people, the, the witness of God's people. Guys, I, I wonder how many of us have been like John the Baptist and been a lamp that shines and burns brightly this week. Have you been shining brightly and pointing people to Jesus or have you been pointing people away from Jesus? John was serious about what he did. I mean, you know, he's the guy who wore camel skin garments and ate locusts and wild honey. I'm not going to do that. God hasn't called me to do Well, if he calls me to do that, maybe I will. I don't know. But, but I'm not going to do that this week. Unless he absolutely says, that would be kind of weird, right? I mean, up here in a camel dress, yeah, I'll probably wouldn't stay. But we can still be a lamp. We can still be a light that guides people to Christ. We can still tell other people what he has done in our life and what he's done in his heart. We don't all have to be Billy Graham. We all don't have to be Franklin Graham, but we can all do something. This evening we're going to pack boxes and ship around the world with the message of the gospel in them. Our, our, our ladies' groups are, are doing all sorts of things. They're gathering and they're cooking meals to send to the call. The call is a group that works with foster families in Garland County. They, they gather and they, they, they cook meals so that foster families who are serving some of the, the most at-risk children in our county can have a meal one night a week or one night a month. They, we, our, our ladies are knitting lap gans so that people who are on, on hospice, their families can have a little bit of comfort. We have another group that went and served at Boo with a Badge and, and served our first responders in our city. We have all sorts of things that our ladies are doing as a church family. Uh, Guys, I don't, I'm kind of at a loss. Our, our youth are doing things. Our kids are doing things. But us adult men, we're not exactly leading the way on being light and lamp. I is one, so I, I can say that. But we, we might want to look into that a little bit and see what we can do to serve. Uh, we're getting shown up right now. As I was thinking through that this morning, I was like, oh, wait. I'm going to kind of call myself out on the stage. That's not cool. Maybe I should wear a camel dress. I don't know. But anyway, so, so, so John is a lamp. He shines the light to Christ. He points people to Jesus. We hear from God's people. Here is who Jesus is. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Here's the first guide, the, the witness of his people. The second guide is the works of Jesus, the works that Jesus performs. And we see this in verse 36. 
He says, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. What could be greater than John the Baptist's testimony? Well, he tells us what in verse 36. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus says there's no denying who I am because of what I'm doing. John was talking about who Jesus was. Then, John, then Jesus started making water into wine. Then he started raising the dead. Then he started healing the blind. Then he started healing the lame. He started creating a, around himself a buzz by healing the sick and casting out demons and doing all these different things. Jesus says, yes, John told y'all who I am, but there's something even greater than what John said. The experience of knowing Jesus. This is what we see in John chapter 4. We didn't get to cover the end of John chapter 4 because I ran out of time. But at the end of John chapter 4, uh, remember Jesus was sitting down at the well with the lady from Samaria. And he had told her about the, the living water that was going to well up inside of her and, and create life. And she would never be thirsty again. She would always be satisfied. Well, after that, she runs home and she tells everybody. She says, listen, I found the Christ. I found the Messiah. Y'all come and talk to the one who told me everything I ever did. So the people come out to hear Jesus. They come out to see Jesus. And they say, yeah, we believe because of what you said. But now we believe because we've experienced him ourselves. Guys, there's a certain level where you will never truly know Christ until you know Christ. We're not going to argue anybody into the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to argue anybody into believing on Jesus. Until you believe, you won't believe. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. I mean, but once you do experience him, once you do see his work in your life, you say, yes, you can't tell me he's not real. Like we sang this morning, I know that he lives because he lives within me. I've seen him at work in my life. I've seen him at work in, in the way that I am compared to who I was. No, I'm not there yet. No, I'm not perfect. No, I'm not, but I'm not who I was. He's changing me day by day. And we, all of us who walk with Christ can, can give that same testimony. I'm not perfect. I'm not who I ought to be, but hallelujah, I'm not who I was. And so he changes us day by day. And so he says, yes, the witness of others, the witness of his people is great, but you can't live on that. You've got to have a personal experience with him. You have a personal relationship with him. It doesn't matter what mom and dad says. It doesn't matter what the preacher says. It doesn't matter what the Sunday school teacher says. What matters is, is that you come to know him yourself. And experience Him yourself in your life. And so the works of Jesus point us to Christ. And then the third witness this morning is the Word of God. The third witness is the Word of God. And so we see the witness of His people. We see the works of the Savior Himself. And then thirdly, we see the Word of God. Verse 37, And the Father who sent me has Himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have His Word abiding in you, for you do not believe the One whom He sent. He says, the Father testifies of me. How does He do this? Verse 39, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Their issue, guys, wasn't a lack of studying the Bible. They knew the Bible. They just didn't know God. They didn't have a love for God. They didn't have a love for who He is. And so when God spoke to them, they did not hear. 
when God showed Himself to them, they did not see because they refused to listen. He says here, you know the Bible. You search the Bible. You search like the way I was searching for my microphone this morning. You uncover every stone there is to uncover. You take apart every word there is to take apart. You look at every page. You know every part of the Bible, but you do not have life because you do not have Christ. He says, you search. I mean, this word search isn't the idea of just casually flipping through the pages and, you know, allowing your finger to land where it may and saying, hey, that's what I'm going to read today. No, they knew it. They knew it forwards and backwards and sideways, diagonal. Like you want to give them a Bible crossword, they're going to beat you at it. They knew their Bible better than, you know, The Bachelor or whatever show it is that you watch or your sports team or whatever. They knew the Bible better than we know anything. He says, you search the Scriptures. Because you think that that's where you'll find life. You search through the Word of God because you think that's where life is found. And he says the Bible, the Scripture, talks about Him. He says life is not found in simply knowing the Word. Life is found in knowing the Savior. Guys, Bible knowledge is not what saves us. Knowing Jesus is what saves us. You can be the greatest scholar to have ever lived and still not know Christ. You can know more than anybody in this room. You may be the smartest person in this room and still not know Jesus. The, the authority of the Scripture absolutely points to Jesus. The authority of the Scripture absolutely talks about Jesus. We must have the authority of the Scripture. We must study His Word. Don't hear me saying we don't need to study His Word. But ultimately... That word ought to point us to Christ. Like, it, when you start talking about Jesus, we, we start talking about the Bible. <laughs> I mean, you, you think about it, the way that He walked through the earth. It, he talks constantly about the Scriptures being fulfilled in Him. He talks constantly about knowing the Word. You, you think about the way that Jesus responds even to Satan, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. When Satan comes to Him, what does He do? He gives Him Scripture. And Jesus is fasting in the alone in the desert. 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan comes to him and he says, hey, if you're really the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus says, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Satan takes him up on the temple, and he says, hey, why don't you throw yourself off? Throw yourself off of here and prove to everybody who you really are. And Jesus says, and, and he even tries quoting scripture. He says, because, you know, he'll give his angels charge over you lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He takes him and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and he says, bow down and worship me. And you can have these things. And Jesus looks at Satan and says, get behind me, Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. He uses the word of God to defend himself against Satan. Guys, I love what Tim Keller said. I read this quote. He said, Without a belief in the full authority of the Bible, you aren't following Jesus. You're following someone you're calling Jesus. And what he means is, is we cannot divorce the truth of God's Word from who Jesus is. Now, there's different ways uh, that we look at Scripture and that sort of thing, and we can talk through those things, but the ultimate point is, is that the authority that we have about who Jesus is comes from God's Word. We know Christ because of His Word. But these people, they refuse to receive the Son because they don't think of God's Word as being authoritative over them. Look at verse 40. He says, You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but it is they who speak of me. Then verse 40 he says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. 
Again, their problem is not lack of knowledge. Their problem is not a mind problem. It's not that they're not smart enough to come to Jesus. It's a heart problem. It's the fact that they've dug their heels in and said, I ain't doing it. You ever done that? Like, please do this. I ain't doing it. I got a couple of kids who would do that all the time. Where do you think they learned it from? Their mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we double up on that, right? We both, well, I don't know. Mostly me, but still. Uh, we, we will dig our heels in at times and say, I ain't doing it. I'm just not going to do it. Guys, that's a heart problem. That's not a mind problem. Most of my real issues are not things that I think about. It's not things I don't know. It's things I do know, and I choose to do it anyway, or I choose not to do it anyway. Most of our problems as believers, let's be honest this morning, it's not because we don't know what we should do. We talk around, oh, I wish I knew God's will for me. Oh, we know what God's will is. It's, I wish God's will would change and I could do what I want. Let's be honest. They said, we read the Word, we know what the Word says, but we don't want to do it. I don't like what it says. There's two reasons why we don't allow Christ to change us. There's two reasons why we stay lost. Two reasons why we never find what we're looking for. Look at verse 41. <coughs> I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How, and here, here's the question, and here's the, the truth that Jesus is getting at. How... Can you believe when you receive glory from one another? And do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. The reason why we stay lost, the reason why we don't find Jesus is our pride. Our pride prevents us from listening. Our pride prevents us from obeying. Our pride prevents us from coming to Christ. We, want, we care more about what other people think of us than we do what God thinks of us. He says y'all's problem is the reason why you don't believe is because you receive glory from one another. You're too busy trying to get pats on the back and attaboys from each other. And that's what these people did. They would walk around all the time talking about, oh, I done fasted twice this week. I got ashes on my head because I'm in mourning. I'm wearing sackcloth. It's so itchy. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I'm just miserable. They, they were proud of how, how miserable they were in the name of God. It sounds kind of contradictory but that's what they did because they were more excited about people praising them than they were about God being praised because of what they were doing they wanted everybody to see them everything they did was a show about them and guys when that's the way you live you're not going to listen too prideful you already got it all figured out what you need God for right I mean any of y'all who've ever been in a car with a stubborn individual knows what this is like. Sweetheart, you are lost. No, I'm not. The GPS says turn right in 30 more miles. I did not put in the wrong address, right? I mean, that kind of stuff. Like, no, I'm not lost. Yes, you are. Just pull over and ask somebody. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, the GPS is wrong. Right? Y'all been there? No, I've already looked there. I'm not looking again. The other day, Josiah pulled that with me. He was trying to find his hat. And I was like, go look in your room. I already did, Dad. No, you didn't. Go look again. I already did, Dad. No, I didn't. Go look again. And, and like five times. Five times. I didn't give in. And finally, he came back with his hat on. I was like, where was it? He was like, well, it was slightly under my bed. I was like, exactly. 
You didn't look. But we do the same thing. We know where the answers are. We know that the Lord has the answers for us. But we're too prideful to look. We think we can handle this on our own. Or what's worse, we're afraid of what He may say. Our pride keeps us from obeying and following Him. Or we misunderstand the Word of God completely. We miss what He's trying to show us. We don't hear what He's actually trying to say. And we see this in verse 45. <clears throat> Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Jesus says, don't think I'm going to accuse you. He's like, I'm not your problem. I'm not the one who's going to tattle on you. There's one who accuses you. Somebody else already told on you, boys. Moses, on whom you've set your hope. Their greatest hero is Moses. What Moses wrote, the first five books of the law, the Torah, that's what they loved more than anything else, including God, was what Moses wrote in the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those were what they set their hope on, knowing the law and keeping the law. He says, Moses, on whom you've set your hope. Verse 46, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe, and here's the second thing, if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? They completely misread the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus is still talking about the Father's uh, testimony of who he is, his witness of who he is. And he says, listen, God told Moses to write about me, and y'all didn't believe him either. I come in doing all these miracles, of course you ain't going to believe. Why? Because they misunderstood the Old Testament. They thought the Old Testament, they thought the Old Testament was about them. How often do we read the Bible thinking it's about us? Oh, this, and here, if I do this, this, and this, I'll be perfectly happy and I'll get everything I want. Or if I do this, this, and this, God will love me forever and ever. Guys, the Old Testament is about Jesus. You know how I know it's about Jesus? Verse 39. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you can find eternal life, but they are what talk about me. We should not be able to read the Old Testament and not understand that the, the Bible is actually talking about Christ. I heard someone say one time that we should not be able to preach the Old Testament and not offend a, a, a devout Jew. We shouldn't be able to explain the Old Testament without offending someone who doesn't believe in Christ. And, and his point was, wherever you're looking, the point is ultimately that there's someone and something coming better. Go all the way back to Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve have broken God's law and broken God's command. You know what God says to Eve? He says, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Who's the seed of the woman? Well, that's Jesus. He tells Abraham, your seed will bless the entire earth. Well, who's the seed? Jesus. He tells David, your son, your, your descendant will rule forever and ever. Who's his descendant? Who's this king? Jesus. Over and over again, there are this, these promises throughout the Old Testament of this coming king who will reign forever. Are there, are there things in there? Are there things in the Bible that tell us how to live? Absolutely. But that's not the point. Guys, we're not the point of the Bible. Jesus is. He says, Behold, I come in the volume of the book to do your will, O God. The point of the Old Testament, the point of the New Testament, is that we would find the Son. The point of the Bible is that we would trust on Christ. The point of the Bible is do this, this, and this, and you can go to heaven. The point of the Bible is believe on Jesus because you can never do it. And if we read the Bible in any other light, we're missing it according to, not me. This is not John's interpretation of the Old Testament. This is not what I think. It's what Jesus says. 
If you don't like it, you take it up with him. Don't come at me with it. I don't, I don't, I'll tell you what Jesus said. But guys, we have to, to change the way we think. I, so often we misread the map. So often we fall more in love with the map than the one who wrote it. Hear, hear me out. We study the Bible to learn what God wants us to do. Sure. But what does God want us to do? He wants us to believe on Christ and serve Him and live for Him. How are you reading the Bible this morning? Are you reading the Bible as primarily about yourself, as a guide to happiness and, and all those things? Or are you reading the Bible as a guide to Christ? The Word of God is a guide to Jesus. Are you reading the Bible with so much pride in your heart? Maybe you came in here this morning and you already made up your mind. It doesn't matter what I stand up here and say. You ain't going to do nothing different than what you did when you came in. I know that attitude. I struggle with that attitude every Sunday. I get to deal with this sermon before y'all ever have to. And I have to decide if I'm going to obey it or not, right? I mean, when, when you open up God's Word and you hear from God's Word, your heart's going to tell you, either I'm going to obey this or I ain't going to obey this. What did you come in with this morning? Did you come in, decided you weren't going to listen and obey no matter what? Or did you come in saying, Lord, help me. Help my unbelief, Lord. Help my stubborn, prideful attitude. What, what did you come in? Maybe you came in with a misunderstanding. Maybe you came in thinking that you were coming in hearing a bunch of rules and if you don't measure up, then you'll never make it. That's not the point. See, Jesus went all the way to the cross because we aren't going to make it. We're never going to measure up. He's the only one who ever will. The point of the Bible, the point of the New Testament is that we trust on Him, that we believe on Him. Guys, what are you searching for this morning? What hope do you have this morning? I want to encourage you to look to Christ to find it. To look to Christ to find your satisfaction. If you would, stand with us. And as you stand, we're going to pray. And if God is working in your heart, would you come? Just ask Him this morning, how can I be a better lamp? How can I be a better light? Ask Him this morning if, if maybe you've missed it. Maybe you've been too prideful. Maybe you totally misread the whole thing. You need to start from scratch. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I pray that we as your people would love you and serve you and that we would glorify you in all that we do. God, I pray that we would magnify your name in the way that we live for you. God, that we would be lights for the community around us. God, that we would show your love to the people we come in contact with this week. Lord, I just pray now that you would help us to serve you and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Softly and tender